Okay, who was in the military here? You went to the military? Wow. <laughs> Stu was? Mark? Marco? Or all the, all the post-35, we'll just say that, eh? Except for Carl. Yeah, and you're not 35 yet. No, okay. You went to the Air Force. Not really the military, eh? No, just, I'm teasing. But um, we've got this, this picture that Bruce put up for us. And I love, I love the idea of we as a people, are the, 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 the church is called the, bride, the army of God. We're the bride of Christ, but we're also the army of God, which means we are, in a lot of ways, we're militant. But we're not militant in a way like other religious groups are where we go kill people and chop their heads off. Okay, We, we are militant with the love of God. We, we run forward with the love of God. We are intentional with every single moment of our lives with the love of God moving us forward. So this series is going to be an advanced style. It's going to be talking about what causes us to retreat. How do we retreat? And um, the meaning of advance is simple. It's obviously, obviously used a lot in military terms. Move, it's moving forward in a purposeful way. And I think, honestly, every single believer, we, none of us have an excuse to, to live a dull, mundane, boring life. None of us. None of us are meant to, to settle into comfort None of us are meant to prioritize everything else but Jesus. There's something when the gospel, when the gospel of Jesus Christ, this freedom that comes through Jesus, when it touches your heart, you can do nothing else but spread it. And, uh, and I'm just trusting that in the next few months and, and what the, the gifts we have coming in, and even with um, Starler's Glo- uh, Scarlet Conference. By the way, did I say anything about Scarlet? Anyway, Scarlet tickets on sale. There's a ladies' conference. I'm going to interject. That's how my brain works. If it's your first time here, whatever comes in goes out. Okay. Um, everything about Christianity is moving forward. Matthew 28, Jesus' last words to us was go and make disciples. Which means it's so simple. Go. Go and do something. Go, go take your life. Take stock of your life. And say, do you know what? I've put everything inside of you. I've put my presence inside of you. I've called you to go and make a difference. Now, not everyone's going to do what I'm going to do. Not, but all of you are, pl- are placed in a place of influence where you are called to be the influence and not be influenced by others. And uh, I think this is one of the, the, the kind of the key things we're going to be looking at in this text. Um, can I say this? You're never too old. You're never too old. You never get into a retirement mentality. Speaking to uh, my parents last night, and they've just been birthed, there's been some vision that's been birthed in them for the future. And I think, you know what, my mom... Is, is like 90 in the shade. Um, <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Um, she's, she's a little bit older. And, she, but this, and my dad, he got saved kind of later on. My mom's been saved for like my whole life. And then my dad got saved later on. But there's something of God that's been birthing inside of them. And they've been pushed to, into their destiny. And they're walking into more of what God has for them at a, at a, at a later stage. You're never told. My mom went to a conference recently. And uh, they said there was a lot of post-60, because there's hardly any post-60 in this room. But some of us think we're going to get into a retirement mode, where the end, the end goal is relaxation. We have got, most of us in the room here, 50, say 40 to 60 years left of our lives, okay? We've got a time, we've got this burp in eternity, we've got this breath in eternity to make a difference with our lives. And it's when we surrender everything to Christ he can actually start to use us. He can start to say, "There is my." God's not looking for perfect people. He has, He's made the provision. He's forgiven us. He has washed us clean. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are clean. 
from that place we operate. And I, and I wrote just a few things down. Why, why should we advance forward? Why as a people should we advance forward? And it's a simple, simple answer is that we live in a world that needs the kingdom of God. We live in a world that is desperate and dying. We know that, and I've said it over the past few weeks, there's some hectic stuff going down. And a lot of us carry answers. We've got either the finances, we've got the know-how to go and start businesses, we've got, um, we've got uh, an ability, some of you have got like a, a, a preaching gift, we can go into nations and change nations through preaching. Some of you have that over your lives. And it, all it calls us to say is, you know, Jesus, I'm going to just be faithful with what's in front of me, faithful with what's in my hand, but I've got a big expectation of you. I want this church to continue to be a church of influence. In this city, around this nation, Acts 2.42 says they were devoted to prayer, they were devoted to teaching, they were devoted to generosity. And it says God added to their number those who were being saved. 3,000 were added in a moment. And I, honestly, like we, I've just been just meditating and thinking around church, and God's not looking for numbers. He's looking for big people. He's looking for people who are resilient, people who are actually willing to advance, people who are willing to count the cost and say, do you know what, and actually just start to realize what God has put inside of you and to begin to run forward with that thing. And that's what we need coming in the next few months. We need everyone in this room. If it's your first time here, you're already recruited. Okay, Shane, you don't have a choice. Um, you're recruited, and we, we need people to be on mission. I don't think any believer cannot not be on mission. We have to be, our waking moments have to be like, Jesus, I want to please you today. What is God? We don't need a special word from the Father. We just need Matthew 28. We need to, be, we need to make disciples in nations. We need to make disciples of all nations. We need to change people's lives. Our lives need to be so affected by the Holy Spirit that there's nothing else we can do. Paul writes, and he says, fight the good fight. He has fought the good fight. He has finished the race. And I want to read this, Ephesians 6, 12. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authority, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness. So we live in a present darkness. We can clearly see that in the world. Jesus hasn't fully reigned yet. His reign is going to come, and the world, it's His kingdom is going to come. But in the mo- at the moment, we, are, as His people, are called to be agents of His kingdom. We're called to bring His kingdom in whatever way possible. And... Uh, Anyway, I'll get to how we're going to do that later. Against authorities of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And you have to realize this. We are, you're either going forwards or you're going backwards. You're either taking ground or you're losing ground. It's, there's, I don't think there's any middle ground. There's no, there's no like, do you know what, I've, I've got into a safe place of Christianity and I, like I'll go to church on Friday and maybe I'll give some money in the box uh, and then I'm safe. <coughs> You know, I've, I've paid my tithe, so God's going to bless me. Cool, I'm, I'm a little bit safer than I was before. God has called all of us to live a wild Christianity. We are not called to play it safe. So whatever is wild for you, you need to step out into that thing. Um, we are, honestly, like recently, we, I, I think it was the third night of the holiday. Like I said, I was going through a bit of detox. But honestly, I felt, and this hasn't happened that often, we felt definitely spiritual opposition in Planet's Church, even in moving to this venue and, and breaking new ground and all that kind of thing. But I was sitting there, and it's like this, this spirit of whatever, panic. If you don't believe in the spiritual realm, just go try Planet Church. Just go try, do some, not even Planet Church, just step out in faith. Start counting for God. You'll know there's, there's going to be spiritual opposition. And um, so I'm, I'm sitting there, and like this, almost this panic came over me. And I was like, 
And I wasn't, and I wasn't even, th- I was thinking about random stuff. I wasn't even thinking about like, oh, have the guys done this back home? I thought, no, they sorted. I wasn't thinking, because I was analyzing my mind, why am I panicking? And only after about half an hour of honestly literally not being able to breathe, I've never had that. I got out, I walked outside, I walked out and just stared and I just prayed. I said, God, what is this? And as I started praying, I just rebuked whatever spirit it was, kind of fought. And I, in that moment, I realized that we are fighting a battle. And sometimes we don't even know we're in a battle because we've let life take over. We've, let, we've prioritized so many different things other than the kingdom of God. And other than advancing forward, we've prioritized so many things that we, we look at our lives and all of a sudden we, there's no passion for Jesus. There's no passion for my wife. There's, there's, uh, there's no passion for the church. There's none of that because we've, we've slowly let things move backwards. And I think we, we're in a time of advancing forward. There is no option. When you are in a battle, I've never been to the military, but I've, like I said, I've watched enough shows to know how hectic it is. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's obviously not ex- the same. It's a little bit the same. Um, but um, you watch Band of Brothers, and if the guys aren't moving forward, they're getting taken out by the enemy. And I, as, as, a, as a people, we need to be constantly moving forward. And what does it... What does that mean on a day-to-day basis? I said it two weeks ago. It's simply getting into the Word of God and praying. Those two things are the basics of Christianity. Like you, just, you, need, a, you need a relationship with your commander-in-chief before you can even go and start doing anything. Don't try to go do anything because you're taken out. You need Jesus. Okay, so let's, um, that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. Let's go to 1 Samuel 14. Let's hear somewhere. Love this story. One day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah um, in the pomegranate cave at Migron. So immediately you've got this, this contrasting two people. You've got Jonathan, which is Saul's son. You've got Saul, who's actually hiding away from the enemy, which we'll see now. The people who were with him were about 600 men including Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, uh, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, where they were wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by, sorry, within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag, crag is a cliff, on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes and the other name was Sene. Uh, the one crag grows on the north Let's go to verse 6. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of this uncircumcised, uh, in other versions, this uncircumcised Philistine. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving you by many or by few. So basically what happens in the rest of the story, I won't read the whole thing. But him and his armor bearer go out, and they, they climb up this rocky cliff. So you've got cliffs on either side. So imagine the scene. You don't have... It's not like they're going into open battle and they can see what's happening. Literally, as they peep their heads over, they're going to um, see whether there's, there's actually where are the Philistines. So they don't have a, an advantage point. They're not looking down onto the battle. They're going to be literally cl- climbing on their arms and legs up to the thing. And it says, um, read from the right verse here. Verse 7, it says, And his armor bearer said to him, do, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I'm with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, We will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. It's the terrible battle strategy. Uh, if they say to us, Wait until you, we come to you, then we will stand in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up, and the Lord will give them into our hand. 
and this shall be a sign to us. This guy's not a great uh, tactician, am I right, Stu? He's like, I'm going to peep my head out. If the guy said, come here, I'm going to hit you, then it's, then it's a good sign that God is with us. It just it doesn't make sense. It's, it's taken, obviously, a whole lot of bravery that this guy did. Verse 11, so both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and they said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they're hidden themselves. And then uh, the men of the garrison held Jonathan in his armor and said, come up to us, and we will show you a thing. Basically, they said, come here, and we're going to smash you, okay? And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into our hand. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet. Love that. He, he didn't have a vantage point. He wasn't kind of fighting from place of strength. And his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan. And his armor bearer killed after him. So basically, just to give you a bit of understanding, what used to happen in those days is that the armor bearer actually always used to go in front. Let me just use your phone to keep my space. Um, the armor bearer would go in front and hold the armor and then like almost defend Jonathan. And Jonathan would come out the side and stab the guys. That's the way it worked. But Jonathan was so amped to just kill people and uh, obviously knew that God is with him, that he says, okay, listen, come after me. And so what Jonathan would do is he'd go kill, he'd like kind of semi-wound, and then the, the, other, the guy would go behind and finish him off. And, um, and those of you who have watched kind of those uh, fighting movies, 300, it's, it's, you know, like if, if they're fighting five guys, it's a lot. Can you imagine two people fighting 20? Not just normal people who put up a fight. These are experienced warfaring people. The, the Philistine people were known to be warfaring people. Said, it was said of uh, Goliath that he, that he was fighting since he was like a teenager. So these guys knew what they were doing, but Jonathan comes up, filled with the presence of God, comes and literally changes a whole course of a nation in one act of bravery. Um, uh, what it says, verse 13, verse 14, it says, and at the first strike, Jonathan and his armor were killed the 20 men within uh, half of a furrow's length in the Acre of land. Um, and then there was panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked, and there became a very great panic. I love that. I love that one man's kind of stand that he took. One man just, do you know what, I don't care. I'm going to stand in front of everyone and just fight. Changed everything. So first of all, Advancing starts with a passion. He just had this idea. Was it a God idea? We don't know. We only found out later that it was a God idea. But he's saying, do you know what? I'm his, his dad and the 600 men were sitting in a cave under the shade of this pomegranate tree, whatever it is, and they're chilling and they're waiting for the battle to happen. Jonathan advances forward and changes everything. Um, and for me, I think everyone needs to carry a passion. And I think passion always starts with vision and it kind of works side by side. But Jonathan wasn't happy with the status quo. He wasn't happy with just sitting under a tree and doing nothing. He wasn't happy that they were waiting for this battle to happen. He wasn't happy that, that his dad could just do nothing while the, the enemy was actually taking them out. And he thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. I, I almost have to usurp my dad's authority and go and fight these people because he's doing nothing. And can I say, what is the things that, that, that get your back up? What are the things that actually make you upset? What are the things that you can see, I can make a change? And that's often the thing that you're called to. We are call, all called to, to do something. We're all called to start with a passion, a vision for our lives. And I'm going to keep going back to it, but it's so simple. We need to know Jesus. 
The more you get to know Jesus, the more you become like him, the more you want to change the earth. We've got a friend, actually before I read that, Billy Graham says this, when a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. Jonathan had a passion that he just stepped out and eventually a whole nation was, was strengthened through his sense of bravery. We've got a friend called Nigel Branken. He, he lives, and I think I've told the story before, but he lives in a place in Johannesburg called Hillbra. Who knows where Hillbra is? It's rough, okay? You've got uh, gangsters on every corner. Um, and it's just, it's, it's hectic. He's kind of, he's, and he's gone into the midst, and he's living in this really poor apartment that the sewage doesn't work properly. There's a dump right next door. But he's had this passion in his, in his heart to go change and affect the poor in that city. And he is now being like interviewed by CNN. The major, major people are wanting to do stories because he's taken his family of six and they're living in like this two, three-bedroom apartment. He's a very accomplished man. He used to work for UN. We literally had worked two days a week and he'd be earning a fortune. He gave all of that up to go and live with the people who had nothing. And it's because he, he knew that he can make a difference. But he counted the cost. His family is kind of, his, his daughter has now become like a bit of like a mini Mother Teresa, where she's speaking at conferences around the world and, and, and telling of the stories of how they're actually changing society. They, they're basically going, they're placing themselves there. They're not throwing money from a distance. Giving finances is great, not saying that. But he's, he's not looking from, you've got the really nice part of Johannesburg called the northern suburbs. He's not looking from a distance saying, okay, I'll go in there once every two weeks and make it, uh, do something. He's planted himself there. And he has this passion that is now changing everything. He's advancing forward. Second thing. Advancing is putting your trust in God even if things are uncertain. And in verse 4 it says, On each side of the pass Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistines where there was a cliff. One was called Bozes, the other was called Sene. One cliff stood north toward Michmash and the other south towards Geba. And I want to say this. Your opportunity to advance will always come with opposition. Okay, there's, there's no, and the problem, I think, a lot with Western Christianity is that we can so make things so comfortable that we can easily take, take the low road. Sorry, take the high road. Which is the, which is the hard one, the high road, eh? Yeah, take the easy route, okay? <laughs> we can easily just, like I was talking in the beginning, we can easily just come to church every week, think we're doing a little bit, but actually God has called us, when, when you're advancing the kingdom, when you're advancing, and, that's, and I think even take it into personally into your own life, when you're wanting to grow and become more, there's got to be opposition. There may be family opposition. Some of you have to actually, Jesus says, go, let the dead bury the dead. Leave your mother and your father and follow me. Sometimes we have to lay things down because parents might come to us and give us legitimate excuses. Hey, Clint, don't be so radical about this Jesus thing. It's a bit weird, eh? Honestly, like it, uh, it's affecting our family uh, just kind of hang back a little bit. And then if you spend enough time with that family, you end up becoming that. And then you compromise on the very thing that God has called you to do and be. Um, Judah Smith says this, a man with a savior is willing to risk. And I think we need to, we need to, we need to be a people that are just willing to stick our necks out. Jonathan literally stuck his neck out. God could have been standing there with the sword sliced and straight off. He stuck his neck out. And he saw change. I'm going to cut out a few things because it's probably getting hot there. Advancing means getting out of your comfort zone. Billy Graham again says this, Comfort and prosperity have never enriched the world as much as adversity has. 
comfort and prosperity have never enriched the world as much as, as, as adversity has. And I think when, there's, when things are a little bit difficult, there's gold that comes out of people. And I think when you look across history, the, the, the greatest assets to the world is when people have gone through tough times and there's gold that has come up because they've had to trust their Savior. Verse, uh, fourth point. Advancing forward can be hindered by or helped by those, of, those you hang out with. And it's just a simple thing to remember. Your friends determine your destiny. Your friends determine your destiny. So let me read. Saul, who we know, if you, if you know the story, basically was appointed by God as king, uh, did some good things, and then started kind of going wayward quite quickly. Um, he, was, he was pretty obvious in man's eyes. He was plainly a head taller than everyone else in, in Israel. And uh, he was kind of the man to take the job. But slowly and slowly, he sold, kind of sold his inheritance. And he had people hanging around him. The one was called Ahijah, which is the son of Ichabod's brother. If you know what Ichabod means, it means the glory has left Israel. Then he had Ahitub, which is the son of Phinehas. And basically, Phinehas was... A, a dodgy priest. So he was a priest in the temple, but he used to bring prostitutes into the temple and desecrate the temple. So there was just, Saul was hanging out with terrible people, and he ended up becoming that. And I think we, we need to, if we want our destiny to move forward, we have to hang out with people who are on mission. And I wrote something, and I was debating whether to keep it on or not. And anyway, maybe that's a sign I shouldn't say it. <laughs> but um, it's difficult when I'm in ministry, to be friends with people who aren't on mission. It's difficult because my every waking moment is about advancing this gospel. It's about doing something with my life that is going to count. If, and, and even if it, it's just, and the people that we've started to connect with around the world, like friends in ministry, friends around, is those who are on, on mission together. And uh, it's funny because I was talking yesterday about my preach and I said, I said, yeah, people want to hang out with unsaved people to get them saved. And I thought, you know what? She said, let's be honest. Who actually hangs out with unsaved people to get them saved? In reality, maybe some people do. Some, but often believers will hang out with people who either are nom- nom- nominal believers, which means they compromise with everything in their lives, or they hang out with unsaved people because they're never going to get challenged. And we need to hang out. If you want to you, you hang out with people who are going to challenge you. And Stata's got a little brother, 15 years old, and I was... I mean, I know she loves him, but really I've grown to love the little dude. And um, he's, he's got an incredible character. Like, he was just telling me about how they would go to youth, and Lebel's one of their youth leaders, and he'd just say, like, if one of their mates treats a girl badly or does something stupid or wants to go and smoke with his mates around the corner or whatever it is, they says, do not we do, we call each other out on it. And I thought, are you 15? What the heck? Like, 15? <laughs> you don't want to know what most of us were doing at 15. But like you just think, a, a boy of 15, year, 15 years old has this character to, to say, do not, like there's a bigger goal in mind. And you need to hang out with people that are actually, that challenge you. Because it's, and I know, Star and I have experienced in ministry five, six years or whatever it is, that sometimes people avoid you because they don't want to be challenged by you. They don't, they don't want the, to, the, you to come and like speak into their lives or whatever. And it's, we need people around us that are going to make us grow and actually encourage us to follow wholeheartedly after Jesus. Just a few scriptures. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. That's 1 Corinthians 15. Proverbs 22 kind of leading on from that. It says, or you may learn their ways 
and get yourself ensnared. And I think we, as believers, we need to hang out with people who don't know Jesus, of course. But you need to be the influence. You mustn't be influenced by them. Simple. That's Jesus hung out with unbelievers. But those who, who either your open lounge or your friends that you connect with, you connect with people who are going to encourage you to become more like Jesus. Hang out with, don't hang out with those who are going to bring you down. And like at the, at the very moment, you know what it's like? You're sitting at a brown, and then there's one guy who's, he knows you're a Christian, but he's determined to get you drunk. Okay, you know, you know that guy. And um, he's, he's like, I'll have a beer and whatever. And, like, and sometimes, and it's in those moments that you actually just need to put up, you just need to be strong. And, the thing, and Christianity is not popular. Not one page of this Bible is about us being popular. It's, I think there's, there's blessing and there's, there's people that gather around the gospel and a mission. All that. It's not about us preaching a popular message and not about us living a popular life. And sometimes when we say no, it doesn't matter how old you are, it puts resistance. You're like, I don't want to, that guy's saying, I don't want to hang out with that guy. He's a bit of a, you know what I mean? Anyway. Okay, and final thing. I've left out a whole lot, which we'll get on to. I'm going to start using my iPad again. There we go. Advancing forward sends panic into the enemy's camp. And I think the moment we stand up and say, Jesus, it's everything. Sometimes it takes people years to get to that place. I want to I I, I think that I've surrendered everything to Jesus. I know there's probably parts of my life that I haven't. But I think there's, there's the place that comes where you surrender to God and you say, you know, today I'm drawing a line in the sand. And what starts to happen is that Jonathan stands up and then there was panic in the camp. I love this. There was panic in the field. And then there was an earthquake. So there's... Uh, Romans 8, 19 is that the, it says creation is waiting in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. The moment we reve- get revealed as sons of God, so we know whose we are, we know we are chosen by God, changed by Jesus, completely clean, pure, running out, advancing the kingdom, the earth will begin to shake. And we need to see some of that again. We need to see men and women of bravery who stand up. And what does that mean? Simple. Brendan, Olga, and a team of other guys have basically started an orphanage which is an incredible thing. I mean, like, that is massive. How old are you? 28? They're not even 30. They started an orphanage. And he's not that clever. I mean, (laughs) 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 he's an entrepreneur. I just think all of us have something in our hand. All of us have something that we can change people around us. All of us have ideas. And I, I just think this year, going into kind of 2014 into 2015, let's, let's run. Let's run into the purposes of God. Let's forget about all the stuff that's been hindering us. Some, some people get so stunted in their growth because they're worried about what their friends think. They're worried about, oh, if, if I get radical, oh, I'm going to lose those friends. Do you know what? It's worth it all. I, I kind of lost friends when I, when, I, when I got serious about God in matric. Actually, I did lose friends. I, I left a fairly successful band for our age. And uh, the guys didn't understand. And uh, I think sometimes we need, to, we, need, we need to take a stand on stuff and run forward and be brave. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, and I pray, 
I pray this morning that we would be a people that stand up. Can we all do that? Just as, a, as an act of... Father, I pray that you'd put your spirit in us. You'd anoint us. That even now, God, you are, you're, there's, there's stuff going off in people's minds of what you've called them to do. It's not about building this little kingdom of a church. It's about building the kingdom of God and changing the planet. Father, we pray for your anointing to rest on all of us. Lord, I pray that, that all of us, we, this would not be a season of us waiting, oh, I'm going to wait for this to happen, and then I'll walk in. God, I pray that in this moment, as your Spirit has been moving in hearts, would, would people stand up and say, now is the time. I'm going to start making adjustments in my day-to-day life. Now is the time when I'm going to step up and walk out into all the things that you've called me to do. Father, let we, we cannot do this alone. We cannot try to follow Scripture. We cannot try to follow the passion that you had without the empowering of your Spirit. So God, we are asking, and we'll ask this every week, would you empower us as a people? Would we be more open to you than we ever have been? Holy Spirit, that you'd come in and minister deeply into our hearts. Let, let, let us understand your love. Let us understand your acceptance, your forgiveness. And from that place, we are lovers on this land. We are love, lovers that go and change the city. Father, we thank you. I pray, Lord God, that we would be an advancing people. That you'd put something of a militant spirit inside of all of us, Lord Jesus. That we'd all put on the armor, the spiritual armor of God, and step forward into all the things that you have for us, Lord God. And I pray that you'd give us strength when there is resistance. I just, uh, the picture, as I was praying now, I just feel God is, he's actually putting armor on some of you. He's putting a helmet, he's putting a, a vest, bulletproof vest. He's giving you these army boots. Because some of you are called to do great things. Some of you are called to go and battle in difficult areas. Father, I pray now that you'd start to reveal to people what you have called them to do. Pictures, glimpses of their future. Would you, would you start to give prophetic words to people? Thank you, King. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.